This is Unexpected Beginnings, the neonatal unit. With Theo, because he had so many cannulas, needles, I thought he's never going to love me. They were always getting hurt in a way. I felt like I was causing that. As soon as my finger got nearer, this tiny, tiny little hand just shot up and grabbed my finger. That was kind of the, the deal sealed, if you like, that initial father-daughter bonding moment. That loving touch, that is really important, really important. And nobody else can do that because we're not the mummy or the daddy. They are. Hello, I'm Caroline Verdon. And I'm Kerry Bickerdyke, and we both had babies on the neonatal unit. One of the things I find interesting is bonding with babies. And I think at the time I felt very alone in not really feeling linked to Fred. Mm. But actually, it's a bit of a roller coaster. And at some point, it seems to be something that the majority of parents go through. Definitely. It doesn't really matter about your background or what you've been through beforehand or your delivery or how long you're on neonatal. It is really difficult and it is traumatic, What, however you've ended up there and however long you are there. And we all cope with that in different ways and we all bond or, or struggle to bond in our own way. Tim is dad to Freya and Freya was born at 25 weeks. And they said, oh, you can put your hand in and, and touch her if you like. And she was laid there and I thought, well, what, what what am I going to do with a frog? Um, and I put my hand in and as soon as my finger got nearer, this tiny, tiny little hand just shot up and grabbed my finger. And I've, I've got a photo of that moment. So, you know, it's quite a special um, moment for me and, and it's quite a special photo, as you can imagine. But that was kind of the, the deal sealed, if you like, that initial father-daughter bonding moment. Never had any problems bonding. Or that. And I know some dads struggled, dads that I spoke to, with the babies not looking like they expected and being so tiny. I think we're frightened as well, frightened of touching them, frightened of changing tiny nappies because they just didn't want to break such a tiny little thing. Um, but I've always been kind of conscious of that and forced myself to do things when I might have been a little bit more frightened. But um, I thought, no, this is my daughter, this is my baby, so I'm going to do as much as I possibly can. I was conscious of the pandemic and I'd maybe not been allowed to do things, so I tried to do as much as I could when I could. I remember changing Fred's nappy for the first time and his skin was like tissue paper and I remember being told just to be careful when they showed me how to change his nappy because he's so small it's not like changing an, an mm-hmm. uh, you know a, a full-term baby's nappy because of all the wires and I remember them saying just be really careful with the sticky bits of the nappy don't stick them onto his skin because it could rip his skin and that image and the word rip I just found so triggering like the idea that I could be changing his nappy and I could do something to to damage him mm-hmm. I just found it terrifying and I I don't know how I found the strength to do it but I did do it I was present but I really did struggle with feeling like a parent a lot of the time like I felt the staff are there what's my purpose am I just an annoyance we chatted to Liz McKechnie who is a consultant neonatologist at Leeds Centre for Newborn Care. And two years on for me, hearing her talk about how much of a difference being present with your baby can make was actually incredible. So we try very hard in Leeds to try and get parents very involved with care right from the beginning. 
And at first, when their baby is tiny or sick, then that might just be having the incubator doors open and talking to baby because that baby has listened to their parents' voices for all those weeks when they were in the womb and they need to still hear that for that sort of security and safety. But then as time goes on and they gain a little bit of confidence, then that might be, you know, learning how to hold baby or take temperatures, do nappies and trying to involve parents in normal care so that they can, being a parent on a neonatal unit is not a normal experience, but we try and make them to be as involved as possible in their baby's care so that they can do some of the parenting things that they would have expected to do. I think that's something that I took for granted because we had Fred in Leeds and we were very much a part of his care and that was made clear from the outset. Um, And I just thought that that family integrated care was something that happened in every single hospital, uh, in every single neonatal unit. And I was really shocked to find out that that isn't the case. Um, So tell us a little bit more about the ideas behind family integrated care and where it all started. So it it, um, originated in its sort of current form from a professor in um, Canada and Toronto called Shu Lee, who had been looking at ways of improving care in Canada and had visited a baby unit in Estonia who um, in the 70s and 80s, they had a lot of babies in their neonatal unit, but not enough nurses. And so he got his nurses to teach the parents kind of basic care. And what he discovered was that those babies, when they were cared for much more by their mothers, um, actually did much better than the babies that were cared for by the nurses. That was the origins of where family integrated care came from and Shuley took it back to Canada and adapted it for a sort of a modern Western healthcare system. And um, I heard about it back in 2014 when he'd been doing it for a couple of years there. And subsequently, um, it's sort of gathering momentum and rolling out across the world, really. And there's huge amounts of interest and passion for it all over the place Um, and in fact officially now there was a government review of neonatal care a couple of years ago that has recommended that it becomes very much part of standard neonatal care. But it's something that Leeds has sort of really led from the front on. Yeah, we introduced it at Jimmy's first of all back in 2015. We were the first unit in the UK to do it. And then subsequently, because it was so successful and the families really thrived on it and really liked it, we brought it over to the LGI. So it's now like our standard of care. And there's lots of other units in the country that do it and more and more are coming on board. Some quicker than others, but it will be everywhere, hopefully. And what what does it involve? Um, well, 
if you were looking at it sort of um, objectively, it involves educating your staff about um, why it's an important model of care, educating your parents about how to look after their baby, creating a good environment for the parents and family to spend as much time as they can there with their baby and providing kind of psychosocial support. Um, What it means fundamentally is that everybody is working together, the staff and the parents are learning how to care for that baby together and parents are kind of coached and mentored by the health professionals to become an integral part of the healthcare team um, so that they can provide a lot of the um, care for their baby. Obviously not kind of the technical stuff, but the, the caring bits, the nurturing bits that are increasingly seen as essential to a baby's healthy development. I remember arriving on neonates and I was in a bed at the time. I couldn't I couldn't walk. I was really not very well. And I remember seeing Fred in the incubator and the first thing the nurse said was this is your baby. It's not my baby. And I think it's a really hard thing to to explain to people who haven't been in that situation how strange it is to give birth to a baby that then you're not responsible for and you've spent spent so long being responsible for this this small little being for however long that was you know you did whatever you could do to protect them and then you feel like perhaps you've failed and you've let them down and perhaps it's your fault why the baby isn't here. That's certainly something a lot of parents have said. Um, and then you see them and they're so small or they're so covered in wires or they're, they're not looking how you anticipated the baby and a, a newborn baby to look. And you feel like you don't have any right to get involved and you feel like you don't have any anything to give. There's nothing you can do to make this situation better. It is now in the hands of science and it's now in the hands of staff in the unit. And it was such um, such a shock in a positive way to find out that, oh, I was, I was important and my husband was important. And yes, it is terrifying to see the wires and it's terrifying to learn about how to put an NG tube into a baby and it's you know it's not something I ever thought I'd have to do it's not something I ever thought I'd want to do um but it is so helpful (laughs) in terms of forming a bond with your baby to be told how important you are and to be able to care for your child and have those moments and not feel scared about touching your baby and not feel that worry you know it makes such a huge difference I think um I I always really worry that when I talk to new you know parents of new babies on the unit that you know I'll say to them you know it's really important that you're here and that you talk to him and that you're all all those non- medical non-clinical things that it's really important that you do that because I always worry that 
parents will think I'm just trying to make them feel better. Um, and of course, I am trying to make them feel better. But actually, the, the things that a parent, a mother or father can provide for that baby, um, the love and the nurturing, um, you know, that loving touch, it, it is so critical. And there's loads of kind of, you know, proper evidence out there to show that it is really critical to a baby's um, health and well-being if a parent can be there um, to provide that. And, you know, for some families that's really difficult, you know, particularly when there's other children or mum's not well. They can't be there all the time. But if they can be there occasionally um, and provide that that loving touch, that is really important, really important. And nobody else can do that because we're not the mummy or the daddy. They are. And there is something very fundamental there. I feel like that chat with Liz, even two years on, took a lot of the pressure off. At the time, I felt quite guilty that I wasn't there all the time. But realistically, I had multiple surgeries. I was very poorly. I couldn't possibly have been. But knowing that I was there some of the time and that was okay and that that made a difference has really helped. I think for me, it's it still brings back that guilt because when I was there, I didn't want to be there. And when you weren't there? I wanted to be there. <laughs> it's, this is it, isn't it? I think that's so, like, it's so normal, isn't it? It feels so abnormal, but it's not a usual situation neonatal. It brings no. out all of these thoughts and fears and emotions. The way I feel about it now is I just wish, like, he's five now. And my biggest regret in life, and it probably always will be, that I didn't just push my anxiety to the side and be there. It's not always that simple, though, is it? Just pushing an anxiety to the side, especially when neonatal is as you've called it many a time, it's a trauma unit. It's really difficult and emotionally difficult to be there anyway. But if you look at the bond that you and Charlie have now, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. But it took a while to see that. I think one of the interesting things about having a bond is sometimes that bond is there. You just can't see it for yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, Megan had baby Theo at 28 weeks and that's something that she experienced. Like, at first, because I couldn't hold him and stuff, I just thought, like, because when, you not normal, but when babies are born at term, like, they come out and they have skin to skin, and I just thought, that, like, that's where a bond starts, and I didn't have that, so how am I going to make a bond now when he's been out of my stomach for, let's say, three weeks? Like, is he even going to know who I am? Um, but the more, like, I were obsessed with doing skin to skin, I never wanted him off me. Um, and then when we got transferred to St James's, one of the nurses actually said to me, um, you've got the strongest bond with your son that I've ever seen. And I think that were, like, the best thing to ever be told. Because going from thinking I wasn't going to have a bond to having, like, the best bond... I mean, Theo is possibly the clingiest child I've ever known now. <laughs> <laughs> like, he just wants to be on you all the time. Uh, it was just, like, the best thing to be told because I, I didn't see it and I struggled to see it. 
And that for a long time I thought, oh, he don't like me, he don't love me. And it's only recently I've noticed, oh, yeah, he does want me because he cries when I go. Uh, there's been times where he's cried when he's gone to nursery, but when you go to pick him up, he runs out and smiles at you. It's it's just like it took a very long time to, for me to see that. Obviously, my mum and family and friends saw it, but I just didn't. I suffered with that. I um, When we left the hospital... Um, during pregnancy, because I was under the mental health perinatal team, I was going to, um, there weren't parenting classes, but there were like mental health preparation classes. Yeah. Um, and we were all pregnant. There were parents, we were all pregnant. We all had our babies at similar times. Then we went back and I hated going back with with Charlie. And then... They referred me. It was basically um, because I genuinely thought that we didn't have a bond at all. And this lady came and she said, I'm going to sit and watch you play with with Charlie and record it. And that was the most terrifying thing ever. And she did it. And I watched it back. And she said, look how many times he looks at you. Look how many times he's copying you. And you really just, you cannot see it at all when you're in that state of mind. And it's it's funny how it takes somebody else to always explain something else that you cannot see. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I think with me, because with Theo, because he had so many cannulas, needles, and I had to pass NG to myself, I thought, he's never going to love me. Yeah. Because he's always, he were always getting hurt in a way. And I, I felt like I was causing that because I was letting them, allowing them to do that. I find it really heartbreaking to hear now parents talk about how they worry that they didn't have the bond because I just want to give them a big hug and say, it will come. Like it is there. You just can't see it. You're going through something really difficult and you don't realise how difficult it is because you're just trying to deal with it. But it is really difficult. And the bond is there and they do love you and you will love them even if you don't feel it right now. It's so difficult. But equally, it is something that at some point most neonatal parents feel. Certainly so many of the parents we've spoken to at some point worried about that bond. It's only natural that you're not going to feel the bond because it's been taken away. And I think that's it, isn't it? We caught up with Dr. Rachel Averson, who is Principal Clinical Psychologist of the Paediatric Psychology Service at Leeds Teaching Hospitals. And hearing it from a doctor of psychology that it was completely normal to find it difficult was strangely relieving. You're very much compromised, aren't you? The ability to experience that bond and that closeness is hugely interrupted through birth trauma and pain and, and very, very distressing experiences bringing baby into the world, but also that the bond could be significantly interrupted if baby needs medical care and attention and whisked away to a neonatal unit, sometimes within the same hospital, sometimes even further afield. So you, you physically couldn't, you know, it's sometimes impossible to develop that feeling of one being a parent but two being able to to bond and you're absolutely right Caroline it's not that the the love isn't there it's just that the processes the physical and biological process has been hugely interrupted and it's so so compromised to be able to to do that on the neonatal wards because of the nature of the care that babies need it's a very busy 
busy way of being. So that interruption in that you don't have the quiet space away from everybody else. There sometimes aren't cuddles. Skin to skin sometimes isn't possible. The natural biological programming to be able to feel that connection and that warmth is so interrupted. The good news, though, is that even though you've had this really ropey start, there are things that if you are feeling up to it and feeling well enough, there are things that you can do to help you see the bond and to help you create a bond. And if you're not feeling up to it right now, there are things you can do a little bit further down the line when you're feeling a little bit better. And not only that, but there are people and services in place to help you do that. It isn't something that you have to do alone. Support is available. And that is what we're going to talk about in our next episode. To find out more information on anything you've heard about in this episode, do check out the links in our show notes. Unexpected Beginnings, the neonatal unit, is recorded in conjunction with Leeds Children's Hospital and funded by Leeds Hospitals Charity. As the official charity of Leeds Teaching Hospitals, they support NHS staff to deliver the best care for patients and their families. Generous donations have funded life-saving equipment, research, fellowships and improvements to the patient environment. Every penny donated helps to support the hard-working staff across the hospitals and enhance the experience of patients and their families. To find out more, head to leedshospitalscharity.org.uk. This podcast was created and produced by Under the Mast Creative Audio Productions.